Hi, I'm Caitlin. And I'm Shelley. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Red Mom, Blue Mom podcast. We're two moms on different sides of the political aisle, discussing politics, current events, and social issues. We started this podcast because we want to encourage conversations on tough issues and show that you can have a respectful, productive dialogue even when you disagree. It's hard to believe, but you can actually still be friends with someone with whom you have very different political opinions. Please know that Shelley and I aren't experts on the various topics that we discuss, although we do our best to be informed and accurate. We also share our reference material on our website at redmombluemom.com. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hi, listeners. It's Caitlin. Today's topic is whether or not a gender pay gap exists. April 2nd is this year's Equal Pay Day, the annual symbolic date on which proponents of the idea of a gender pay gap believe how far into the year women must work to earn what men earned in the previous year. Now, many of our listeners have probably heard the statistic which states women only earn between 70 to 80 cents on the dollar when compared to men. Additionally, the issue of a gender pay gap was recently front-page news when the story broke in March that the U.S. national women's soccer team is suing the U.S. Soccer Federation over pay equity and working conditions, claiming that the women's team has experienced, quote, institutionalized gender discrimination, unquote, for many years. We'll talk more about that lawsuit in a bit. But does a gender-based pay gap really exist? Many on the right, including me, believe that the idea of a gender-based pay gap has been thoroughly debunked. There are many legitimate and logical reasons why women might be paid less than men, including choices of occupation and the number of working hours. Also, the way that the wage disparity statistics are presented by liberal politicians, pundits, and the media is a little bit tricky. Now, most people consider the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics to be the source of truth when it comes to identifying the so-called pay gap, but even the Department of Labor itself has cautioned against using this data to confirm gender discrimination when they stated back in 2009 as part of a gender wage disparity study, stating, quote, this study leads to the unambiguous conclusion that the differences in the compensation of men and women are the result of a multitude of factors and that the raw wage gap should not be used as the basis to justify corrective action. Indeed, there may be nothing to correct. The differences in raw wages may be almost entirely the result of the individual choices being made by both male and female workers. Currently, Democrats in Congress are proposing new national legislation called the Paycheck Fairness Act, introduced by Nancy Pelosi earlier this year. We've shared the text of this proposed bill on redmombluemom.com. In my view, this legislation is problematic for several reasons, including that it makes employers liable for the lingering effects of past discrimination, whatever that means. Certainly, the law seems to provide social justice and gender advocates a generous runway in charging previously law-abiding employers with lawsuits. So, Shelley, as we start today's conversation, the first question I have is, do you believe there is a legitimate gender pay gap in the U.S.? Yes, I think there's absolutely a legitimate gender pay gap in the U.S. Uh, I disagree that um, that it's been debunked at all, uh, besides some far-right media trying to debunk it, but there are many, many studies that say that a legitimate pay gap exists, and that is um, meaning for full-time work, 
the same work, the same hours. Women working full-time year-round take home 20% less pay than men working full-time year-round. And that gap is much, much greater for women of color. Um, While there is some truth, as you point out, to the fact that the gap is not all the bait, not all because of intentional discrimination, it is, I agree with you, Caitlin, the result of a multitude of factors, but there is a gap even when you control for type of job, hours, uh, you know, type of type of career. In other words, the same people doing the same work um, are often paid differently. So what is the study that you're quoting for that 20%? Well, there's several studies, and we'll, we'll post them also on redmombluemom.com. But one, interestingly, is the same source that you got your data from. The Department of Labor, which is the uh, federal department that runs the Bureau of Labor Statistics, um, whose report uh, 10 years ago you quoted from, they also have a Women's Bureau, which concluded that a pay gap is absolutely real, even when you account for education, type of work hours, even when you control for those things, women are paid less. Um, where it starts, according to most of these studies, is right out of uh, school, for example. And I've actually seen this happen personally. Uh, when uh, when women uh, walk into a job and negotiate their, or an interview and negotiate their first salary, um, quite often, uh, men start at a higher pay in the exact same position as, as women. And then what happens, the, the real problem is that um, that past pay is used to determine future pay. And so a woman um, sometimes progresses s- slower. So if a man starts off higher and then continues to earn more during his career, and a woman starts lower and continues to earn more but less than a man, then what you have on average, uh, according to some studies, is that the woman has lost on average $500,000 over the course of her career. And um, for professional women, that could be as high as $2 million. The the end result is that the economy as a whole is really being hurt. Um, there's there's one study that is called Equity for All Report. It's posted on the Colorado Women's Bar Association's website, and that is an, uh, a group that I'm a member of. That's a women's lawyers in Colorado. Uh, it is not a partisan group. It is not a liberal group. It's just the women's bar, and they very much support the Colorado Pay Equity Act. And uh, one of the studies um, on their webpage, which we'll post on ours, says that the United States economy is leaving behind $2.1 trillion because of gender pay inequity. Meaning, if we were to close the gap, that much more money would be in the hands of consumers, families, uh, tax revenues, you name it. It would be a win-win to pay women equally. It'd be great for the economy. And I don't actually understand why everyone's not behind this. Most men want their wives to be paid the same as the men that are working in the same positions as their wives. It's not fair to that man's family. It puts him at a disadvantage. Uh, It's also great for business. One of the problems that businesses have is retaining women and spending money on training as women leave the the workforce. And uh, there's been studies that show that that pay equity uh, helps retain women, promoting women into uh, the same positions that men's are, men are being uh, promoted into is good for business. And by the way, um, it's not true. One of the myths is that women leave the uh, workforce to have babies, and that explains the pay gap. But uh, if you look at the 
the data on that. Women leave for a lot of different reasons, um, including the inability to to uh, be promoted in certain circumstances because of uh, gender biases. And the other thing that the data shows is that the most productive members of the workforce are actually moms who stay on the job after having a baby. And you and I, I think Caitlin could attest to that. Um, uh, when you're when you're a working mom, you um, you have a <laughs> special ability to get projects done and to be very very productive. Um, and so, so yeah, the amount of money that businesses spend replacing women who leave is is a loss to those businesses, and that's why um, pay equity is actually great for business. Now, I looked at the not the federal law that you cited, Caitlin, but the Colorado law that's currently in the legislature, and um, what's interesting to me about it, I think I have it here. Uh, it says the this this law is. Uh, pay Equity Act that's being proposed in Colorado and is making its way through the legislature. It provides that an employer shall not discriminate between employees on the basis of sex um, by paying an employee of one sex a wage less than that paid to an employee of a different sex for substantially similar work unless um, that wage rate differential is based on one, seniority, two, merit, three, the quantity or quality of production. And then the law further provides that you cannot look to um, someone's past uh, salary when you are are hiring them. And that's uh, to address the point I, I just made about women starting out lower altogether. It also provides that you can't be retaliated against for raising the issue, and it provides a cause of action uh, if if this uh, gap has existed. And so what I don't understand, Caitlin, is if the conservatives are so sure that there's no real wage gap, then why wouldn't you want to implement a law like this? In other words, under your logic, it would have no effect at all because there would be so few cases that actually um, meet the criteria that I just read, and that is where someone is paid differently for the exact same work. Um, so why, you know, what would be the problem with implementing these laws? So I'm struggling to understand how the same Department of Labor, the same Bureau of Labor and Statistics is producing such disparate views of the data. Um, I hadn't seen that there's a women's bureau, but why that women's bureau within the late, excuse me, within the Department of Labor would be perpetuating this idea of a gender wage gap when at the same time the Department of Labor is clearly cautioning people to not infer that there's a, a gender-based pay gap. Um, I'm really struggling to understand just the data points that that does not make sense to me when it's coming from the same government office which may, maybe that's the answer I, I think the i think the the issue is in how you read the data and so um you cited uh, a sentence that simply says there are a multitude of factors um that's true but uh, there are studies that have read that same data and there's a lot of data um, and come up with uh, with different conclusions. Uh, as I said, it's I, I think we both agree that there are a multitude of factors that go into why there is a pay gap. But even when you control for 
you know, job type and hours uh, and and education and other such uh, items, there's still different pay, um, which suggests that there's, you know, at least some portion of the wage gap is the result of discrimination. But if that law, if I just understood what you said, is providing exclusions for pay differentials in the instance of merit or seniority or productivity, etc., that's a complete giveaway of any pretense of pay equity. I think you would probably agree in this day and age, at least in a white collar type of environment, it is very hard to find two of the exact same jobs. And that law is already providing for wiggle room, right? Based on productivity, based on seniority, based on other factors, which is right. I mean, that should be at the discretion of that of that corporation or that business owner. And so I'm not quite sure how that law will do anything when ultimately I think you'd be very hard pressed to find two jobs that pay exactly the same. And I think that's this whole issue with this concept of a quote gender pay gap. It's not so much a gender pay gap from what I've read, it's more of a gender earnings gap is probably the better way to phrase it. And it's because women and sometimes men, but mostly women are making different choices in the workplace. When you compare full-time work, which was one of the statistics that you quoted in the beginning, full-time work varies um, depending on a man and a woman. So sometimes they count full-time work for women as 35 hours and above. They count it for men as 40 hours and above. Men are typically working longer hours than women. Women tend to value more flexibility. So there's an interesting study out of Harvard recently um, that did some analysis on the Massachusetts bus transit system where they found that often women, when presented the opportunity to take overtime, as an example, they don't take it because theoretically they're valuing more flexibility, more time with their family, et cetera, et cetera. So I still think it's very hard to say with certainty that in a, in a situation, if you could even find a situation where you had a man and a woman working side by side, doing the exact same job with the exact same uh, seniority, productivity, education level, everything exactly the same, and that woman is getting paid less, I think that type of example doesn't really exist. Like, that's not a practical example. But my question is, if it doesn't exist, then why would you be opposed to the law? Because the law would only regulate if it did exist. So let me ask it to you this way. If you were in a position at your former, you worked for a large corporation um, in a um, executive position, if you were to have found out that a substantially similar counterpart of yours, someone who's doing basically the same job you are, who is a man, was earning more than you, and he was not more senior to you, he had not achieved uh, better merit than you, he had not produced better quantity or quality of production than you, and you, and you learned that there was a pay differential, wouldn't you be opposed to it? Wouldn't you feel that there should be a cause of action? Sure, but that cause of action is my responsibility. I'm not looking for government intervention. So first of all, sex discrimination in the workplace from a from an earnings or compensation perspective or otherwise is already illegal, right? That's already that's already a law on the book. So I'm unclear on what these additional laws, either the National Paycheck Fair, Fairness Law 
or this law that you're referencing in Colorado, what is that going to do that's not already covered today? But I would say if I was in a situation where I thought a male counterpart, first of all, determining that they're doing the same work, etc., is very subjective, I would I would take that up on my own with my company leadership. Right. I'm asking you, what if you did that and you failed? They 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 ignored you. They they insisted that uh, there was some some reason that well, you couldn't understand. Well, if I thought it was a meritorious lawsuit, I would bring a lawsuit right through the through the through the employment equal employment uh, opportunity commission or what the whatever the EEOC stands for. But if not, guess what? I have a choice. I can go find a job elsewhere. If I'm in a situation where I think I'm being treated so unfairly, which has never happened to me, which has never happened to any woman that I know. I'm not just some poor victim in that situation. I either figure it out, I, I sue if I think that they're, if the company's been breaking the law, or I go find another job. Well, that's what this, that's what these laws are um, designed to do. They're designed to create a better um, cause of action, a private right of action than has previ- previously existed. And to actually, um, you know, the damages are, end up being, if you prove your case, end up being the difference in pay. Um, the Civil Rights Act and, and the Equal Pay Act of 1963 that you referred to, those actually did help close the pay gap. At the time those were passed, women were paid on average 59 cents on the dollar. But that means that after, you know, now 45 years later, there's only been an 18 cent rise in that in women's pay, which is less than half a cent per year. So the reason you need additional legislation is because this needs to happen faster. It's it's silly to keep waiting um, for the pay gap to close itself. I also think it's disingenuous to 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 suggest that you should have an obligation to go quit your job and find another job where this in the example I gave where this pay gap doesn't exist. I mean you would you would have worked hard in that company. You should be paid the same as your male counterpart doing the exact same work. And the sort of skepticism that it just it hasn't happened to me, so I don't believe it's happened. Um, I mean, I've seen it happen. Uh, I've I've seen it unintentionally happen um, when new, like I said, new uh, people straight out of school come, and a man uh, just happens to ask for more in his starting salary than a woman. Two people are hired at the same time, and the man gets hired for more because he asked for more. But why uh, does that require government intervention? Honestly, like, why didn't the woman ask for more? How how is that the company? The reason fault women the woman didn't ask for more. Well, the reason the reason women sometimes don't ask for more is because uh, gender biases result in when a woman sometimes when a woman uh, is asks for more, she is is seen as uh, pushy or. Um, you know, uh, too big for her britches, or uh, you know, different types of um, different viewed differently than it, when a man asks for more. And so, there are reasons that sometimes women uh, possibly, you know, d- don't make that request at the beginning. But it, it doesn't make sense that you would start a woman and a man who are starting the exact same position at two different rates. That changes their entire career, and that's where these large numbers come from in terms of the differential between what a man and a woman would earn during his or her career. And so, um, putting putting the onus all on the woman to sort of close this gap when she may be very you know interested in doing that but hasn't been successful in doing that uh what these laws do is simply give a cause of action for what you're saying doesn't exist at all which is 
two substantially similar people, uh, two, two people doing substantially similar work. Uh, and even when, you know, you take into consideration our seniority, merit, quantity, quality of production, and they're being paid differently. So again, I, I don't understand the hesitation behind, um, allowing these this legislation to uh, see if it will help close the pay gap. Yeah, but first of all, to be clear, I'm not saying it never exists. I've never experienced it. There's no one I've known that's ever experienced it. And also, I would say my experience in the private sector, and perhaps this is different in the legal um, field that you work in, in my experience, both as an employee and a hiring manager, at any, any big company, certainly, and I've worked for companies like Comcast and Amazon, when you're hiring someone, you have a range, right? You have a range, let's say it's between $75,000 and $95,000 a year. You have two applicants coming in the door, a man and a woman. Let's just assume they are dead equal on uh, on their career history and their accomplishments and their seniority, etc. If the man negotiates successfully and he comes in the door in the middle of that range at $85,000, and that's what he's hired in and hired into the company as... And the woman, for whatever reason, and by the way, I think this idea of a woman may not advocate for herself because she thinks she's going to be seen as pushy, that's, in my view, that's a cop-out. But let's say she doesn't advocate for herself. She doesn't negotiate well. She doesn't have the skill set or the confidence to do that. And she comes in at the low end of that range at 75000 Okay. I mean, that that to me is not an issue. And that is not so something that So I think that that's should... just wrong. But why? You know? That happens all the time I know. in corporate America. That's I think... the problem. But how would you remedy that? Other than the government coming in and saying, okay, Comcast, if you're hiring a marketing manager, you have to hire them at 85000 That's not how business works. No. No. What the, what the proposed laws say is that if you're hiring, in your example, a man and a woman to do the exact same work and they have the exact same amount of experience and seniority, uh, that you should hire them at the same rate. Um, I think it's absurd to put it on the woman to uh, try to negotiate better when what if she, that's just can't happen for whatever reason. If, if but no one owns that except for her. And I have had situations. The company owns that. The company should own that. No, I, I think you are taking any self-responsibility. And frankly, it's not just women. Men sometimes do not do a good job of negotiating sure. for themselves. I've hired situations where arguably it's a similar role and maybe the woman ends up coming in with a little bit more than the man. So this is not just a female issue either. But the thought that we need government intervention to force a company to make a private hiring decision based on the the field of candidates they have and the way that those candidates are representing and advocating for themselves that to me does not require government intervention intervention and it's not a practical solution the term government intervention of course is um you you could you could phrase it differently what what it does require is uh a law that states that you cannot discriminate on the basis of gender so but that already exists. So I just want to be clear, not discriminating on the basis of gender already exists. Well, what you're talking about is taking it a step further, right? Because the the not discriminating on the basis of gender already exists today. No, I'm saying that the current laws that are being proposed say that you can't have someone a man and a woman in the exact same position doing the exact same work and be paid differently. And 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 that there's now a cause of action for that. So it is a stronger law than that that exists. And uh, again, you know, why not? Uh, unless you 
you know, you feel, uh, what I'm hearing is that you just feel very strongly that um, uh, if a company wants to pay a man more for that same position that they should be able to, that's wrong if the, if the pay is, if it, you know, if there are two people doing the exact same work um, and there's any chance that that's based on bias, whether or not it is, you know, whether it is or not, or it may be unintentional, I will concede that a lot of times this happens unintentionally, um, whether it's intentional or not, it's not right. Yeah, I think if you're a woman and you're, and you're coming in the door and you're not advocating for yourself and you're not proving your worth and negotiating for the best salary that you can, uh, to me, that is not something that requires the U.S. government to step in and, and do that for you when there's already remedies available if you think that you have been discriminated against because of your gender. There are already remedies that exist for that. Um, so There's you know, no remedy that exists for the example we just talked about being hired at the same at the same salary there's no existing but again so you're proposing that we should not allow employers to have ranges for salaries that, that's what i'm confused about no the range is absolutely fine i'm not at all suggesting that the government should pick the salary that you're going to pay people i'm suggesting no, 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 but you're but you're saying because any company that has a range of a of a low medium high point in their salary band which is standard practice for almost every company in the that's country absolutely fine but if you're going to hire two people within that range and they're a man and a woman and they are identical in every way, um, they should not be paid differently. Yeah, and I, I think that takes out the self, the the responsibility of yourself to advocate for yourself. That I don't have an issue with that. I mean, I really don't. And I don't, I don't have an issue with it because I don't think that that happens very often. And I think if you are a woman and you feel like you're in that position – you have choices that you can make. You can sue. You can ask you for more money. You can't sue when you haven't. You, you, you're you're not in the job yet, so there's no cause of action that exists for that. But if you're not in the job, then it then there's there's no damages, right, and, no and you damages. can't sue. Then how would remedy, you prove it? Right? Um, you know the the existing laws. Uh, it's very very hard to prove um, to prove gender discrimination. So, th- you know these laws are designed to. Uh, to actually address those issues. Um, there's lots of data that shows that people straight out of school, men and women, are hired at different rates. And uh, I don't know why um, why that would be okay. And again, the end result of that is that women over the course of their career, that because, you know, and sometimes because of that starting point, um, can lose, you know, half a million dollars, a million dollars, up to $2 million for professionals, uh, because they simply started lower and then the the pay gap you know uh, continues based on prior prior wages what is the source of that data that professional women can lose several hundred or millions of dollars over the course of their career and is the premise that the you know young graduates coming out of school that the the women are being paid less because of 100 percent sexual discrimination is that the hypothesis According to the Institute for Women's Policy Research, uh, if equal pay for women were instituted immediately across the board, it would result in an annual um, $447 billion gain. And that statistic is on the NOW website, which we'll post on redmombluemom.com. Similarly, for professional school graduates, um, they could lose up to $2 million during the course of the career, their career. And so those inequities are, you know, detrimental to those women and their families. 
but that's assuming the baseline of women only earning uh, some fraction, 70 to 80 cents on the dollar, which again, I think has been completely debunked. I know you disagree. And I, you mentioned earlier, it depends on how you interpret the data. Well, not really when you have the Department of Labor themselves making a statement cautioning against using that gap to make assumptions around um, discrimination in the workplace. So it's, Except it's not that, just... that's somehow... Um again, based on where where you read it and how you read it and that particular quote that you read. But I'm looking right now at the Department of Labor's website, um, where, you know, uh, which we'll post on redmombluemom.com, which says, um, breaking down the gender wage gap, women earn less than men. Uh, women who work full-time year-round, uh, in this case in 2014, earn 79% of what, what men earned. Um, while the wage gap has gotten smaller, progress in the last decade has been slowed, and some of that is these, you know, this push against um, pay equity laws. And that same website, again, Department of Labor, says that this is all true regardless of the education um, and greater participation in the labor force and a number of other factors. Uh, so. The same. We're both looking at the same department's um, data and uh, coming to different conclusions, which, you know, I think is uh, is normal. Yeah, but again, I, I want to come back, and I don't mean to harp on it. This, but but this idea and this talking point of full time. If you compare full time work, so as an example, based on the BLS data from 2016, 25 and a half percent of men who were working quote unquote full time worked 41 or more hours per week compared to only 14.5% of women working 41 or more hours per week. Men working full-time were also more than two times more likely to work than women 60-plus hour weeks. So ultimately, the math is simple. The more hours a week you work, the more you're going to get paid. And so this definition of full-time is a little bit squishy because it's not a 40-hour week to a 40-hour week. Actually, I think it is. Um, I believe the Bureau of Labor Statistics used hourly uh, hourly data uh, to make it as accurate as possible. Yeah, I'm and looking I, at it right I now. think it's comparing apples to apples. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now from the BLS, and that's that's not true. It says if you compare men and women both working 40 hours per week in 2016, nearly 40% of that 18% pay gap disappears. So again, I just think, you know, as a consumer of the data, if you're listening to reporting from the National Organization of Women website or other sites like that that are obviously advocating on behalf of women's rights, which in and of itself is, of course, fine, there may be a different interpretation of those numbers than you might find elsewhere. So I guess, you know, you have to kind of use your best judgment. But I, but I would like to transition here, if we can, to talk about this women's soccer, uh, excuse me, the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team lawsuit. So as I mentioned in the introduction, the women's national soccer team is suing for equal pay, um, among other things, uh, with the uh, U.S. Soccer Federation, saying that they get paid less than men, and I think their compensation structure is a little bit different. Um, but overall, Shelley, what are your thoughts on that U.S. soccer lawsuit? Oh, I think it's a great example of the pay gap. So I uh, 
wish them luck in this case. I'm glad they brought it, and uh, I hope they're successful in, in the case. I mean, the reason I think it's the perfect example is because the U.S. men's team uh, is playing at a much lower level than the U.S. women's team. In the men's case, and this is all within U.S. soccer, so all within the same organization, the U.S. Men, men's team lost last time uh, before the World Cup in the round of 16. So they were immediately uh, out of the tournament. They got bonuses that year of more than $5 million, where the women's team uh, that at the same the same uh, years won the entire World Cup and um, got less than $2 million in bonuses. So they are paid very differently, uh, and that's how this has been able to persist for so long. The men's team couldn't even qualify for the 2018 World Cup um, it hardly holds a place in, in world soccer, whereas the women's team is literally the most winning team in the history of the world, men or women. That means they've won more, more times than any other team, uh, man or woman. They've consistently been ranked number one in the world. They won the World Cup in 2015. They've won three World Cups. Um, they won gold medals in the Olympics in 2004, 2008, 2012. Um, and this year, uh, the women's uh, team enters the World Cup as favorites, whereas the men failed to even qualify for the 2018 World Cup. They didn't advance past the knockout stage. Uh, so it's in, in every respect a more successful team, and yet they are because of disparities in the method of pay, um, they're paid in very different ways. In the same organization, U.S. soccer, they uh, are paid much less. They also receive uh, poorer benefits in terms of, you know, travel benefits and um, uh, promote promotion and marketing and that kind of thing. Yeah, and I'm not sure. I, I don't, I guess I'm not a hundred percent convinced that it is an issue of discrimination. I'm not necessarily arguing that the women's team does not deserve more compensation, but is it truly discriminatory, right? So soccer is ultimately a business and it's not exactly apples to apples when you look at the women's soccer team versus the men's soccer team in terms of the field, excuse the pun, of uh, competitors, right? So as an example, the Women's World Cup, my understanding is about 24 teams. The Men's World Cup is 32 teams. There are far fewer countries that have women's national teams than men. So there's a couple disparities there, right? In terms of are they competing at the same level? And I'm not saying to be very clear, I'm not trying to diminish the athleticism and accomplishment of that women's team at all. And should they get paid more? Maybe. But is it discriminatory? Because ultimately U.S. soccer is a business. And so if you are running a business that's revenue-based, and you have more people willing to buy tickets and pay money to see the men's team than you do the women's team, should the women's team be paid the same if they're not driving the same return for the business? I don't well, know. So I think, one, I, I think they might be driving a greater return, but the example you gave about international soccer being there being fewer women's teams than men's team that shouldn't come into play at all in my opinion because what we're talking about here is within u.s soccer within one organization within u.s soccer so it would be one thing if there was um a separate organization for women and a separate one for men and those organizations you know one made more revenues than the other uh but here um 
you've got within the same uh, within the same organization the men and women uh, being paid differently. For example, why does it matter that the women's World Cup held? Uh, I'm sorry, the men's World Cup held in another country might bring more viewership than women's. Well, that's because there are dozens of amazing men's teams. That is based on the fact that there is sexism in other countries as well. Um, women's sports aren't as big in many other countries, and so we can't and, and may not be as well funded in other countries. And so why would we look to the entire world, you know, the world stage to determine what two teams within U.S. soccer should be paid? That's like saying, well, I think women attorneys in China should be paid what male attorneys are in America. That's There's no comparison. That's impossible. No, and I may not have been clear on my point. All, all I meant on that was, I think you mentioned that the women's team in the U.S. has been a more winning team when it comes to World Cups. My only point is that the the the, the scope of the World Cup, uh, you know, competition for women is arguably less competitive than it is for men because there are fewer teams to compete with. So the fact that they're winning World Cups is amazing and incredible, but are they is it the same level of competition as the men's team uh, when you when you're trying to gauge how many World Cups they've won? I don't know. I don't know if those are Again, why, apples to apples. Why would that matter within US soccer? I'm in not terms saying of it doesn't, but if one of the talking so, points is they deserve more because they are a more winning team, that's all I'm trying to say. Well, what I'm saying is they deserve equal and 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 do the, they? Fa- if the they fact don't that drive as much revenue for US soccer? Well, do they? I mean, there's an there's a interview that Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino gave to ABC on March 12th, 2019, which will be posted on redmombluemom.com when they were asked that question, which is a typical justification for unequal pay, um, the revenue question. They said First of all, you have to look at funding invest funding and investment from the ground up. So youth through senior teams, the promotion that is given to the men's team, the branding, the marketing, the sponsorship, you will see the inequities there. Um, and then they also point out that they've earned a ton of revenue for U.S. soccer. I don't know if the data has been broken out in terms of which team has earned more for U.S. soccer. According to a Washington Post article dated uh, March 12, 2019, after the women's team won their 2015 World Cup victory, they engaged in that U.S. stadium tour, which attracted tens of thousands of fans. And during that time, the Federation's budget projections um, shifted from a combined net loss for both teams of 430000 to a profit of $17 million. Th- that World Cup was the most viewed uh, soccer game in U.S. history. So in terms of viewership and TV, uh, TV ratings... The women are uh, exceeding the men. So I'm not sure that they aren't contributing uh, as much to U.S. soccer. I haven't seen any real data to suggest that that's true. Yeah, and I haven't either. And that, But that's kind of what I'm wondering on the revenue perspective, right? As I think about the U.S. Soccer Federation as a business and, and considering revenue and, um, you know, whether or not they contribute as much. And, and you might be right. They, they, they are certainly an accomplished and successful team, so perhaps they are uh, driving more benefit to U.S. soccer financially, especially since the men's team has not been performing very well. But using that logic, then, do you think um, female players in the WNBA should be played as much as male NBA players? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think that um, you have to start off treating women's sports equally or they'll never earn as big revenues. So if there's less funding, less support, uh, if the women's teams are more ignored, if they're not as well supported, then and then you say, well, you didn't make as much revenue. Well, you didn't sell my tickets in the same platform as you did the men's team or in the same stadium or, you know, to the same. So um, so I think the inequities exist that the, between the two genders that then result in the revenue difference. But what about market demand? So let's use let's use WNBA and NBA as an example, right? I, I don't think you would disagree that WNBA WNBA games are less popular overall. Well, but we've created that situation, haven't we? I don't know. Have we, or is that yeah. just the demand? Is there less demand from from consumers who want to see women playing basketball, or is there less demand because of the way the marketing has taken place over the years and the the inherent inequities that have been, you know, that have existed between women's basketball and men's basketball, you know, from from an earlier stage, you know, call, starting in college and then or before that, and uh, and then going into the professional field. But what is government's role in forcing private enterprise, be it the U.S. Soccer Federation or the National Basketball Association or private companies like Comcast or Amazon or any number of companies or organizations, what is government's role in forcing them to invest the same amount of money, and let's use NBA as an example, is your proposal that there should be a law that requires the National Basketball Association to invest at equal levels in marketing and development and youth programs and all those different things that they do for boys and girls alike, men and women alike, regardless of what the market demand is, regardless of what consumers want to watch and are willing to spend their uh, discretionary income on for tickets, you do you think it's the U.S. government's job to come in and force that organization to spend the exact same amount of money on both the men's and women's programs? Well, using soccer as an example, uh, yes, I do. Because if... Um, you know, in the in the soccer example, uh, where, where you've got two teams where the women are performing at least as good as the men and uh, are, you know, more successful than the men, uh, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be paid differently. And in the basketball example, again, it's the chicken and the egg issue. Um, you know, what caused what? So if you're always going to uh, to say that. Uh, you know, the market is different for one or the other. Well, we've created that market with the inequities to begin with. So I do think that when you have that, that, that there should be some responsibility, uh, again, with the U.S. soccer being a great example within the same organization to both spend the same amount on marketing and promotion, and then to pay to pay the same. And you think that's the government's role? Uh, yes. To force them to do that. Yeah, so you and I just have vastly different ideas on what <laughs> what government should do and what they should be involved in. I think, I think that is um, silly to think about the U.S. government coming in and forcing any private company, any private organization to dictate to them how to market and invest in and uh, develop their product, quote-unquote, um, 
to pay what what I think is so. But there's two different things. That's there's right. Well, no, I'm saying that the compensation, the and compens- legally protection, protecting against sexual discrimination is one thing. That's what I'm proposing. But you're also saying that you also want the government to come in and tell U.S. Soccer to invest and market no, the same way. No, no, I'm way. I'm saying that the that the revenue differences have to do with the inequities in marketing. Right, but should government? Uh, what I'm saying, that? what I'm saying is that they should be they should be paid the same and um and i do think that if you know over time if uh if if sports organizations paid the same amount of attention to women's teams as they did men that the ultimate market and the uh uh the revenues would uh would be closer to equal but you don't want government to force that investment. So you want you want to make sure government is is uh, legally requiring the pay to be the same, but you're not advocating for dictating terms of how they invest or develop programs. That's correct. Okay, so we do agree on that piece then. Okay, great. So in wrapping up, Caitlin, uh, we agree that men and women doing the exact same work with the same seniority, merit, production, education, qualifications should make the same, but you disagree um, with me that there should be an additional law to help enforce that requirement beyond what already exists. We also agree that discrimination is not the only reason for the pay pay gap, uh, that there are other reasons, but we disagree on how much those other reasons contribute and how to address them. Uh, We disagree that a man and a woman should be hired at different salaries for the same job when they have similar qualifications when their only difference is how well they negotiated their starting salary. And that difference is important because my view is that the starting salary then affects the rest of that woman's career. With the soccer example, uh, I feel strongly the U.S. women's team deserves equal pay with the men's team. But Caitlin, you're not 100% sure that it's discriminatory based on the different contributions that those teams make to U.S. soccer as a business entity. Yeah, I think that's right, Shelley. I think that was a good wrap up. And listeners, of course, we would love to hear what you think about this. As always, we have shared our references and resources on our website at redmombluemom.com. We would love to hear from you if you'd like to email us at redmombluemompodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. And of course, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at redmombluemom. Uh, You can follow us there to get sneak peeks of upcoming episodes and topics. And we would love to engage with you on social media. So thank you for listening. Mm